Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This week's episode seven is called, I hate homework and what's the point? So for all of our moms out there who know that after school, it's an uphill battle. This is the episode for you to understand and get some clarity around what is the purpose of homework and how you can survive that with your child. So stay tuned for episode seven. Hello and welcome to the Dyslexia Mom Boss Podcast, the show that helps you not only feel empowered and knowledgeable, but confident and a boss mom in the dyslexia journey. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren. So welcome back. This week, um, episode seven, we're going to talk about homework. So I know as a teacher myself, when I was teaching at Swift School, I would only give homework with the purpose in mind of whatever I wanted my students to really focus on. And so for me, homework was literally practice with a concept that I taught in school, but I know that that's not always the case for you all out there. And I really think it's so important to talk about this. So before we delve into this, last week, we, last week's episode six was called Educating the Educator and the Art of Essentially Straddling That Partnership Balance When You're a Parent. Because as I stated before, I'm a parent and I'm also an educator and I don't believe in bashing either party um, at all. I think we can learn from each other and really see a different perspective and educate. And I know since this audience is geared towards moms, that's why I'm saying let's educate the educator. Um, But in today's episode, I think this will be really good for both parents and educators because I know that homework is like so rooted in some teacher's pedagogy and philosophy that we kind of lose sight of what's the point. And I think because of that, and when that's the case, parents get frustrated and it becomes an, it becomes an, an an anxiety, couldn't get that out, an anxiety filled event that begins to wear on your relationship with your child. And, you know, parenting is not easy, but we're not intentionally trying to ruin and deteriorate our relationship with our with our child because of whatever their teacher said. And more than often, kids will want to please their 
teachers more than their parents in that situation. So if like, if your child's coming home and they're like, but Miss So-and-so said I have to do this whole worksheet and you're realizing that it takes them an hour to do two problems, you're trying to straddle that respect of like, I want to respect my child's teacher, but at the same time, this is killing their self-esteem. And then I'm over here trying to make dinner and I want to make sure that we get you know time to kind of decompress and this is becoming an, an uphill battle and an argument. And so it's just this has been something that I have seen really be a hot topic um, on so many levels. And I just really wanted to take time to do an episode about it. So we're going to talk about three major points. And as always, I will give you some takeaways because I really am a solutions-oriented educator. You know, I really am like, well, how can we work with what we have here and let's put it in perspective. So we're going to talk about why homework, you know, why, why is it called homework? (laughs) We're going to talk about the purpose of homework. And then we're going to delve into how to accommodate homework objectives. And this is really for both parents and teachers. So let's just delve right on in why homework. So for me personally, like I said, I started off earlier in this episode, I said, I would give homework for practice. So Again, when I worked at a specialized private school with my elementary school kids, let's just say, you know, in code group, we were really nailing in on magic E, silent E. And maybe with some groups, it was just one syllable. And maybe for another, it was two syllables. And let's just say for that day, I noticed that both groups needed a little bit of of practice. Maybe I would give them some worksheets that we did in class. So they were familiar with what they needed to do. And maybe it was something where I would say, remember the rule and highlight six words from this list that fit the pattern. Boom, there you go. That could take five minutes. You know, it's really about, for me, it was about practice. It wasn't about busy work. Um, And I think that homework historically can also be used for catching up on missing work. So if you, I mean, this is life. If we go on vacation and there's work that piles up, we got to come back and catch up. Well, it's the same thing with kids. The problem is, is that when we have our language-based learning difference children, they're constantly catching up if we're not clear on the objectives. And I know I'm jumping jumping the gun here, but I'm just giving you the background as to why homework really exists. So teachers believe in it as practice. And sometimes it can get a little out of control where it's just busy work. Um, and I think for some teachers, it's definitely a philosophy. Um, it's definitely ingrained in their pedagogy. I have worked with teachers who are anti-homework. I mean, they literally, it's like the bane of their existence. So like, I don't see the point of giving my kids homework. And I think that that can also cause some eyebrow raises from parents because I think we're so, it's just in our culture to assume school, building, teachers, students, tests, homework. Well, there's another way, there's another approach. And I'm just shedding light on that to give you some perspective as to like, why homework? Why do we have homework? Is this just something that's perfunctory? Is it something that we're just doing just because we've always done it? Um, If this is a part of your teaching philosophy and you feel very strongly that kids need to do homework, well, then I really, you know, invite you to think about your why. And 
really put yourself in that student's perspective and more specifically the struggling students. So if you're a language arts teacher and you're like, okay, read this chapter and then come back and we're going to have a Socratic seminar and make sure you have your talking points, that could take a dyslexic child with no resources and accommodations or supports three to four hours. And you may not even realize it because maybe this child's undiagnosed or maybe this child their pride is getting in in you know in between their feelings of how they want to please you but still look age appropriate i'm thinking these are our secondary students so it's just really important to think like why are we giving homework what is the why and if your why is the practice then you need to clearly know your learner you need to understand their home environment and their home situation and This is where, and this is a completely another episode, but this is where the teachers need to collaborate to know, okay, I know that I'm a proponent of homework. I need my children to read chapters per night or whatever it is. Well, then if you know that your homework takes that child three hours, then maybe you only assign it one or two two days a week. You know, maybe you're not giving homework five days a week. Obviously, this is flexible and I'm just speaking to the general teacher. I'm just thinking of people I've worked with, people that I know really firmly believe in homework. But then, like I said, I've worked with teachers who are like, I don't give homework. And again, I really think it's a philosophy and an approach. And I think to touch on educating the educator, it's your job as a parent to talk to your child's teacher to say, you know, hey, what's your policy on homework? And then I think that's when you know, you're partnering, that's the partnership. So throughout the year, if you see a concept is getting too difficult, then I think that's, you know, fair game for you to say, hey, can we kind of come up with a game plan about this or maybe only 30 minutes a night, whatever it is. So the first topic we just touched on is why homework? So I really invite um, my teachers out there there to really think about that because maybe you lost your why. Maybe you're like, well, I've always done this. Just because you've always done it doesn't mean that it, it, it needs to be. So topic number two is the purpose. Now, this is this is one of my favorites. What like why why are we doing this? What's the purpose? What's the objective? Right. So you need to ask the why behind it, as I said. So if it's I mean, I've I've had students where they have processing that requires such repetition that classwork isn't finished in class. And now that's another conversation too, because perhaps maybe it's not chunked enough or perhaps they aren't given the adequate time that they need. You know, if they're undiagnosed, maybe they need a time and a half, but don't realize it. So I mean, again, that's another, that's another conversation, another episode, if you will. But, you know, you really want to think, is this student taking forever to get classwork done? And is the classwork becoming homework? And then you have to stop and think, well, why am I assigning X, Y, Z for homework? What's the purpose if they haven't even finished the concept in class? So it's really, I really invite teachers and also parents to think of that too, because I know sometimes as parents, we might fall into the trap of like, oh, we'll just get it done. I've also seen parents literally get it done for their kids. And I um, invite you to not do that because then you're allowing your child to know that that mom, mom or dad can just help me. But really the helping is you're enabling the fact that they can't really figure it out on their own. There's a balance between 
let me scribe for you or let me set up this audio book for you. And then I'm going to let you do the work versus, oh, you have this project. I'm going to do your slides for you. I mean, I've, I've seen it all. I've seen kids in class and what their work looks like. And then when they turn it in, you can tell that their parent did it. And I know that it's that anxiety feeling as parents that we're like, I don't want my child to be embarrassed when they're presenting their book report, you know, to their, to their peers. And they only have two sentences while their peers have three paragraphs about this character and the setting and all of that. Well, that's when you, again, communicate with the teacher and you come up with a plan and you think of how can we support my child in what is the purpose of just assigning the homework again if classwork is not done. It's also important to really think about the objective. So I had a student when I was in um, teaching eighth grade math and this particular student really, really needed, um, I think on the IEP, it would be 150% extra time. Now that is a lot of extra time. Usually it's 50%. Sometimes I've seen um, 100% extra time. So if a kid needs two hours, you know, to complete an assignment, 100% would be another two hours. So that's four hours of accommodating time. And of course that brings, you know, that begs the question with teachers, well, when am I supposed to give this kid that time? And I think that's where sometimes it spills into homework. And then this is where I ask you as parents to invite yourself and invite your, invite yourself to ask your child's teacher, well, what's the objective? So this student um, really, really, like they were a strong math student, but you would never know because it took them so much longer to get a problem finished. Now, if you know eighth grade math curriculum, we were working on system of equations and those problems require sometimes five or six steps to get the answer. And sometimes when you get the answer, you have to then plug it into something else to get another answer. So sometimes a problem on average could take a kid if they knew what they were doing and didn't have working memory issues, maybe five to seven minutes. But this child really needed like, I mean, I don't think I'm exaggerating, maybe like a half hour to 40 minutes per problem. The problem would be right, but we didn't figure out that this is what was going on until we really sat down at the IEP meeting and we we were asking, you know, what's the objective? Do, do we want this student to demonstrate mastery to know how to do this concept or are we... um or are we trying to see how many problems he can finish in 30 minutes? I mean, like, what what's the focus here? And it turned out that this child was, you know, this child and their parent, it was a, a real anxiety fest every single night after school. And that's an awful feeling to not have that space, not have that time to decompress from your day, your work day, all of that. And they would be doing math problems for like three, four hours. And so what the IEP team decided was 20 minutes. That's it. Whatever you get done in 20 minutes is what you get done. And I think this student needed the permission from the math teacher and myself as their case manager to know it's okay. Like we know, you know, the concept, we know that you can get the answer, but really this was a a perfect example of 
I don't really think this this student needed the homework because they were working so hard during the day that by the time they got home, they were really working at like a sloth pace. And because it was the stress of, I have five of these problems I need to do, it would take four hours to get them done. Uh, we have to have time to relax, eat dinner, decompress, talk to your family, get ready for bed. I mean, that's just absurd. And so that really invited me to, um, I always think about that student whenever I see my language-based learning difference children struggling and really any student, but like, what's the objective, you know? And I think we get away from that a lot. I mean, I've seen teachers give um, a math test and, you know, the concept is geometry and perhaps they need to identify certain angles and then uh, I actually have seen this on a test. The test will say, um, what angle is one o'clock on an analog clock? Well, you're testing, you're, you're asking a child to now demonstrate that they can tell time, which has nothing to do with what you're asking them. Now, if you're trying to get in two objectives, that's a different story. But if you're focusing on, is this an obtuse angle? Is this an acute angle? then don't ask them to put 130 on a clock, especially with our students who have dyscalculia. That is just that is just a killjoy and it's going to kill the self-esteem of your child. Obviously, this goes back to learning your learner, understanding your learner. So again, I invite you as educators to ask yourself, well, what is my objective for giving this homework? And I also want parents to say, well, what's the objective here? Um, if my if my child is struggling for hours to get something done. So this brings me to my third point, how to accommodate homework objectives. Now, this is a collaborative piece between teacher and parent. I'm all about the partnership. I'm all about the team approach. That's just how I am with how I do things. I just firmly believe that it's not just one person that has all the answers. So for example, I've done this before. Um, let's see the objective for, let's go back to English language arts, is a comprehension check. If the objective is a comprehension check, don't have your, your struggling reader who you know struggles with um, decoding, but when they're read to, they can tell you what they read. Don't have them sit there and read the book and have them in tears and then get frustrated and tell them to jot down notes and they're fighting you. Because you know why? You're not focusing on the objective. And this is for the parents out there. Get your kid on audiobooks. If they have to read chapter two in Because of Winn-Dixie to, you know, have a Socratic seminar or a discussion the next day in class, just push play. Let them relax in their comfortable spot at home. And then just talk about it at dinner. Hey, what are some big themes? Or, you know, what did the main character do? Or, you know, what did the dog do? Whatever it is. And maybe that's another point where you know that your child needs help scribing. So maybe when you're asking those questions, you're typing them up and you print them off. And then th those are the notes they bring in. Or maybe you have a little journal that the teacher created and you're just jotting it down for them. The objective is comprehension. <laughs> It's not, can you decode? Can you read these sight words? Can you actually take notes while you're, I mean, those are a whole bunch of other skills 
And that's not the objective. And I think when you hone in on that, both parents and teachers, you will actually find that your child and students will have more confidence because they are clear on what you're asking from them. And if they know comprehension is not my strong suit, but you're giving them ways to, I'm sorry, if they know that decoding is not their strong suit, but they know comprehension is something that they're good at, then you're capitalizing on that strength and you're not giving them other things to weigh them down when you're asking them, basically, what did you recall and how can we have a rich discussion about it? So that's just an example. I've seen that a lot. Even when I taught elementary school, I just gave the example of because of one Dixie. Um, and I think parents, we, and this is, this is another episode within itself. We need to understand that audiobooks is reading. I know we want our, our struggling readers to read. I get it. It will come with time as long as there's a proper intervention, um, you know, several times a week, depending on the severity of the struggling reader. But it's not okay to take away an accommodation just because it's not the quote traditional sense of my child isn't reading. If you're, if your child loves to be read to, if your child loves to bring books to school, like that's encouraging reading in the sense of like, I know balanced literacy has many different components of that. Again, as long as there are interventions put in place and things are addressed and there's a diagnosis and you know where you're going, it's okay to have audiobooks as an accommodation. So I could go on a tangent about that, as you could tell, but that's one example of um, what is the objective. Um, again, I gave you that that story about my student with math problems. So what's the objective? So that's where we talk to, let's say, for example, the math teacher is the objective. Um, can this child master this skill? Then you you find one problem. If you know, give I'm giving you the scenario from earlier. So we find one problem, and if the if the objective is can this student uh, demonstrate how to find X, you know, whatever X is just the answer um, by using these five steps, then that's the objective. So if it takes them 45 minutes to do that, and that's right, then boom, there you go. Or maybe your objective is because you get very upset and anxious about um, getting a certain amount of math problems done. Our objective for homework is to just only do homework for 20 minutes because we know you know the concept, but I know you want to have the practice to look just like your peers. Boom, there you go. So you make that clear to your student and you make that clear to your child. Remember, Mr. So-and-so or Ms. So-and-so said just 20 minutes, set that timer, give them a snack, walk away, whatever it is you need to do. Um, And then I think it's really important to set those boundaries. So when you set those boundaries, there's there's a hard yes or no. There's a hard okay, well, I got five minutes and um, this is all I got done. And I think there's a level of acceptance when you understand the objective. So that also can breed motivation too for your child or student. So if you're saying our objective to go back to the comprehension check, our objective is to get prepared for this. I keep saying Socratic seminar because... (laughs) I just, I love Socratic seminars. I don't know if we have some Socratic seminar fans out there, but that's an excellent way to have a discussion around literature in a student-centered way. So that's why I keep using it. But let's just say that the objective is, um, I want you prepared for the Socratic seminar, so we have to make sure your comprehension's strong. Well, 
we read a chapter and let's say you only remember two points on Monday. Well, let's read more or delve into that so we can get prepared for that Socratic seminar by Friday. So then that kind of makes it a competition within yourself, meaning your your child or student to say, oh, okay, well, yesterday I was able to pull out three more details. So I'm, I'm feeling good about, you know, this question that I'm going to answer on Friday during that Socratic seminar. And then the last, oh, actually, I have two more points. See, I'm just really enjoying this. So you, again, communication is huge. Communicate with teachers. So parents, please make sure you're communicating. If you're feeling frustrated about the homework, there's a high chance your child is feeling frustrated. So instead of just saying, oh, well, talk to your teacher tomorrow, or I'll shoot them an email and just say you couldn't do it, or or this is always the best. And this goes back to self-regulation. You might send like a scathing email at 10 p.m. upset that homework was a disaster and, you know, whatever it is to the teacher when really it doesn't have to be like that. It, it, it just has to say, you know, hey, you set that boundary too. I mean, I'm giving you permission that if it's like an uphill battle studying for a spelling test and you're trying to get in. 15 words that make zero sense to you or your child, but you want nothing but success for them, I think that's a good time to set a boundary and say, you know what? We've been working on this for 90 minutes. I'm going to shut it down. That's a little too long, but you know, shut it down. Email the teacher. This is all we could do tonight. Maybe we can discuss at a later time or an IEP meeting or whatever about how we can kind of move forward with What's the objective to, for certain things? Um, you know, what's feasible for the child? Again, we have to individualize this. And the last point is teachers, be clear on what your purpose is for your homework to communicate that. Communicate that to yourself. What, you know, what is this unit about? What do I want them to take away? You have to work backwards, work on your goal. Don't just aimlessly give out homework just to give it out. You know, I understand math teachers. That's I think an anxiety thing where I've worked with enough math teachers where they're like, if you don't lose, if you don't use it, you lose it. So we have to send homework every day. And I get that. I think just what's your point? What's your purpose? What's your objective? And how does that relate to the individual? So again, I hope you found this episode helpful in regards to the homework discussion. You know, I just, I want us all to be comfortable in this journey. I want us to feel like we're equipped Um, I want teachers to kind of see the parent perspective and I want parents to see the teacher's perspective, but I also want us to put things in perspective that this is a journey as I always, always, always say. So with that being said, I know that this is probably mid-August that you are listening to this. So I hope that you found the Building Readers for Life conference helpful. If you registered for that, I don't know if... um, that is something you can still register for after August 1st. But stay tuned for next week. And that's actually going to be a surprise episode. I don't know yet what I'll talk about. So stay tuned for that. And I will see you all next Tuesday. Remember, I drop episodes every Tuesday. So give me a subscribe, like, and some comments. And I will see you all next week.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.